this morning. If we've not met before, my name is Jessica. Um, I'm the kids pastor and co-lead pastor here at St. Matt's. Um, Ed and I uh, moved down here from London three years ago with our two daughters, Phoebe and Zoe, who are now five and three, nearly six and four, which is terrifying because I feel like when you hit six, they become like little people rather than children. It's like, oh gosh, we're nearly teenagers. Um, Tell me to calm down later. Um, And um, we are going to be starting a new series called Live Different. Um, We're going to talk about how we can, as a church, live differently to those around us. We're going to be looking at the book of Philippians, and we're starting with Philippians 1. It always seems a good idea to start at the beginning. And um, how, as a church, we're called to live differently to others, and why we're called to live differently. Um, If you have a Bible, do you want to turn with me to Philippians 1? Uh, We're not going to look at the whole um, passage um, because it's quite long. We're going to look at 9 to 14. Um, If those on the front row want to put their toys down. (laughs) The vicar and um, Kate are playing with some uh, little cars at the front here. Has everyone got their Bible ready? Are we good? Let's go. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Let's just pray before we begin. (coughs) So sorry, lingering cold. Um, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this passage. I thank you for the opportunity to gather this morning. Thank you that you call us to live differently. You call us to um, stand out from the crowd. And may we uh, draw a little closer to you today. May we get to know you a little bit better. Um, Speak to us, I pray. Amen. Um, So when Ed told me about the title of this um, new series, I was starting to think, how do I actually live differently? How do I um, live differently in the world around me? In um, September, I joined a netball team. We're called the Lord Sevens, and there's a whole backstory to that. Um, But we pray before each match, which is nice. Unfortunately, we've yet to win a match this season, but... (laughs) It's all right. We love the Lord. We play netball and uh, we try really hard. We're quite a competitive group of um, kind of, I don't want to say old because I'm don't, maybe I'm not that old, but we, um, we play hard. We try to win. We don't win, but we're trying really hard. And um, a couple of weeks ago, we were playing a team called the Pink Heart Sapphires. And um, as you can imagine by their name, they were quite young, and um, they were wearing quite pink um, dresses um, for, for playing netball, and, um, and I, I'm a goal defence, so I try and stop the goals from, from going in, obviously not doing that well at the moment, but um, I try really hard. I need an extra, like, two or three inches of height, and then it'll all be fine. But um, I'm a goal defence, and I'm quite a chatty, friendly player. So we start the match, you know, you, you set up in the court for those of you who played at school, and um, I'm stood next to them, and before the whistle goes, you know, the refs are having a little chat, and I'm like, hey, how are you? Good week to your opponent, and she just kind of looked at me. Face of thunder. And I was like, okay, so this is a, it's not a chatty situation, is it? And um, 
it was quite clear from the very start of the match that she was quite, like, in charge. I don't know if she was actually the captain, but she was in charge of the team. She was very shouty, quite boisterous, a little bit sweary, and she just, she dominated the court. And at one point during the first quarter, the ball was at the other end, and um, I was walking backwards. And um, I got, I, she must have been stood behind me because I stood on her foot. And I turned around, oh, I'm so, so sorry. I really shouldn't be walking backwards, should I? And she looked at me and she said, you might be sorry, but it's still contact. Now in netball, for those of you who, who don't play netball, you're not allowed to stand on other people's feet. Um, it's, you know, it's a non-contact sport. You're not meant, to, not meant to walk into people. And I thought, oh, oh dear. Sorry. I kind of didn't really know what else to say. And I, I kind of just I was like, well, we'll just keep playing. Now, as the match continued, it became more and more hostile. Every time there was a call for contact, you'd hear her go, I bet she was standing on your feet, wasn't she? And I was like, I was on this side. No, it wasn't me. And it was just getting quite aggressive. And at one point, I remember very clearly, I was walking across the, pit, the court, and I said, this is a prayer usually reserved for my husband and children only. It was, uh, Lord, patience. I need patience. Because I didn't want to rise to it. I didn't want to start getting sweary back. I didn't want to start getting boisterous and pushing and actually, you know, on purpose contacting this player. And um, eventually, in the last quarter, my team decided it was best to move me to another position because they, they could hear what was going on. And we've got a really, she's quite tall, and she was like, I'm going to go after her. And I was like, all right, I'll come in, I'll go back here. And so we swapped over. And at the end of the match, we, we lost. Um, but she, uh, with a whistle went, and we do kind of like a three cheers, we shake hands, and it's a very friendly league. And um, I noticed that this lady just walked off. She walked away to the other end of the court. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to be brave, and I'm going to go over to her, because she did do some incredible shooting, and I wanted to go over and say, well played, good game. And so I walked, it felt like I was walking into the lion's den, I walked across, and I stuck my hand out, and I said, well played, good game. And she looked at me and said, I don't do contact. And I was like, <laughs> okay, and so I tried again, I was like, I just wanted to say well played, good game, like elbow, bump, nothing. She turned and walked away, and I was like, okay. You really have tried hard, Jessica. You've tried. And I walked away, and I felt a bit sad. But I did really feel God in my heart in that moment. And I prayed this prayer. I prayed, Lord, if she doesn't know you, may you something of how I have been acting and playing today, may that show your love for her. May that show your love for her, and may she ask questions. And it might, I might have seemed like quite an irritating, cheery goal defense to her. But my hope is, my hope is that I played differently. That I was modeling a life lived differently. Someone who was letting Jesus shine in every area of my life. And at St. Matt's, we want to be a church that's known for more than just good coffee, nice worship, and really slick branding. We want to be a church who is known for love. We want to be a church that is known for loving people with Jesus' heart, whose heart breaks for the people of Exeter. We want to be a church that love like no other. And so that's the first thing I, uh, I take from this passage in Philippians, is that we are a church to be known for love. Paul's, been, um, Paul's writing this letter to the Philippians about 12 years after the church in Philippi has been formed. It's growing in maturity, it's growing in numbers, and 
Growth is good. It's a healthy thing when things grow. But Paul is encouraging them to keep on growing. He says this in verse 9, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in depth and knowledge of insight. He wants them to grow in love. The Greek word for abound means overflow. So Paul doesn't want us to just grow in love. He wants us to overflow with love. He wants these Christians and us today to be overflowing for the love of God. He was encouraging these early churches to lean into growth, encouraging them not just to keep on loving, but to keep on growing. And it doesn't matter how much we love, we have always got more to live, uh, to give. Those of us who are parents probably know that, you know, when you're a bit like, oh no, I've got nothing left, and, and you still have something left to give. But that's how we are going to stand out as a church. That's how we are going to live differently, by being a church who loves But why is Paul asking us to do that? Why does he want us to be different? The theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. I loved that when I found it. I was like, that's a really great question. It's so true. Our life should make others question why they don't follow Jesus. So how are we going to grow in our ability to love those around us? How do we increase our capacity and stretch ourselves? Well, Paul encourages the Philippians to do two things. To deepen their knowledge of God and deepen their relationship with God as well. To grow in their personal relationship with him. And then as a church community, to grow as well. And it's in their worship of him He goes on to say that when you do this, the overflow of fruits of righteousness will make Jesus known to all. Now, I'm trying to learn German. Any other Duolingo users in the house? Oh, Oh, two of you. Look, Simon's as well. What are you learning, Simon? Dutch. Ooh, very good. And what are you learning over there? German as well. Yes. Sprechen Sie Deutsch. Now, um, this began as a, a lockdown project for Ed and I. We, um, we had done some online calligraphy courses and some online doodling courses, and so we thought, let's try something else. And so we started to learn German together. We've got Swiss friends who speak Swiss German. And um, now the app Duolingo, it keeps a, a track of your daily streak. And I'm quite competitive. You might not have guessed that already. I'm quite competitive. And so it gives you that little number at the top. And then there's a little exclamation mark that appears at about 6 o'clock in the evening if you haven't completed a lesson. And so I have to complete a lesson to keep my streak going. And I have been going for 385 days. I even took a photo of it to show you all. I know. I know. Well done, me. But the problem is... I um, have reached a certain level in, um, in, in the Germans, so it breaks it down into different levels. And I'm, um, I, I've become legendary in some of the vocab. I have, I have. It turns the icon purple, and, um, and you're apparently then a legend in that vocab. I, I would beg to differ, but apparently I am. Um, the problem with the legendary status, though, is that after a week, it cracks. And you have to go back and practice it again to, to regain your legendary status, or you're demoted to just your average level five. And um, like I said, I'm quite competitive, so I just keep on doing that to keep my legendary status and to keep my streaks going. But this is the problem that we're then facing. I'm literally only learning the same eight lessons 
over and over again. I can tell you that my man is ser klug, which is my husband is very smart, um, which he obviously is. Um, but I'm doing it to keep my little um, number, my 365 number next to my leaderboard and my, my lovely little fire thing on, um, my, um, on my home screen. And what I'm not doing is actually deepening my knowledge of German. And um, we went over to spend some time with our Swiss friends, who we had quite keenly told we're learning German. And I was like, mein Mann ist sehr klug. And they're like, good, good. It's a good job they speak English. But I wonder how many of us are like this with our relationship with God. I wonder how many of us keep quite a superficial knowledge of him. Maybe saying a daily prayer, which is great, or um, because prayer is always good, or, or just reading something on um, a, a nice Bible verse on Pinterest. But how many of us are really deepening our knowledge and our relationship with him? How many of us are putting time aside to find that time to get to know him better? Because there is always something new to learn about God. He has always got something to surprise you with. Now, here are a few ideas of things that can help you take your relationship to God to the next level. The first is to read your Bible. Try to make space in your day to read some of God's Word. And if you don't like to read, then listen to it. I mentioned in my last preach a couple of weeks ago about the Lectio 365 app. It's a great way to have two daily touch points with God. If you want to read your Bible, start with the Gospels. Look at the life of Jesus. Ask yourself these questions. What did Jesus look like in this situation? Why did Jesus say these things? How did he act? Am I taking that into my workplace, into my family, on my social media? The Bible can help us anchor our lives and deepen our knowledge in God. So let's be anchored in the Bible. The second thing that Ed and Kate have already mentioned is groups. Join a group We have loads and loads of groups running here at St. Matt's. We have groups that run, groups that study books of the Bible, groups that look at why it's great and sometimes difficult to be a Christian in the workplace. We love people to form community. And it's when we form community, we grow closer together and we grow closer to God. So groups are a really, really great way to do that. If you're not in a group, I'd highly recommend it. And the final thing is to pray. These things might sound really super simple to you. You might um, have been a Christian since before I was born and be like, come on, Jessica, that's, that's just a really basic one. But seriously, prayer is so important. We're not just talking to the open telephone in the sky. Prayer is a chance for us to speak with our Heavenly Father. We want to grow at St. Mount's and we want to be a praying community because prayer is when we pray, things happen. So I wonder what it's going to look like for you tomorrow morning. How are you going to grow closer to God? When we seek him and come closer to him, we'll grow in our ability to love those around us. Any Lord of the Rings fans out there? Yes, that's exciting. Um, Tolkien, um, who was a Christian, summed up nicely what the purpose of life is. He said, our lives are are to increase our knowledge of God by all means we have, and to be moved by that to praise and thanks. I love that. How can we be moved in praise and thanks, in deepening our knowledge with God this week? It could be offering to pray for a friend. It doesn't have to be anything complex. 
It could be just asking that friend who, who's having a bad week how they're doing. That's how we are going to show our love to those around us. It's modeling Jesus to our friends. Now, the second thing I noticed from this passage is in Philippians is that Paul never stops making Jesus' name famous. Absolutely nothing stops him. When I spoke a few weeks ago, we talked about how Paul um, and Silas found themselves in prison with a dubious um, group of men who'd made some odd life choices and were in the inner cells. And Paul and Silas preached and they praised and they worshipped and we saw households become followers of Jesus. Paul literally just can't stop himself in spreading the word and telling people about Jesus. Now, I'm told in this letter, he would have been in prison again, and um, it was a classic Paul moment where he would have been chained to another guard, and um, it was apparently a four-hour rotation. Now, I would have loved to have seen if they had CCTV, like the guards, like, oh, it's the chatty Christian. Oh, I'm going to go and have to sit with the chatty Christian again and be chained to the chatty Christian. But for them to then have the best news of their lives preached to them. Paul says, um, it is known throughout the whole palace guards that I am in chains for Christ. We don't know if they became Christians, but they knew why he was there. And he certainly didn't let the chains stop him from preaching the gospel. Not a moment is lost in Paul's life to talk about Jesus. I also quite like how Paul downplays how he finds himself in these situations. If you don't know much about him, he's, he's a super interesting guy. When we first meet him in the Bible, he's killing Christians. And um, he has a radical encounter with Jesus, which is what the kids are talking about down in group today. And his life is changed. And he turns from killing Christians to becoming one of them and being one of the um, uh, main writers of the New Testament. On his travels, he ends up in a few tight spots. He's shipwrecked, he's imprisoned, he's tortured for preaching the gospel. But he doesn't let that stop him. He also, if it were me, I'd be like, guys, did you hear that shipwreck I was in last week? I know, pretty cool, right? He just says, just want you to know what happened to me. It's actually serving to advance the gospel. Quite matter of fact, isn't it? He doesn't make a big thing about it. He really has been in the lowest points, but even there, he chooses to make Jesus famous. I don't know where you're at right now, but you might say, well, I'm just not in the right place. I'm not in the right headspace to talk to my friends about Jesus. It's not the right time of year. It's, it's just not the right job I'm in. I can't just go talking about Jesus. But you're not in the place that you're in by accident. There is no circumstance that you are in that God won't use to reach the people around you. Paul wants to encourage those who are reading this that they can be courageous in the places that they find themselves now, sometimes I can read these passages, and it, and it sounds as if God has sent the suffering to happen to Paul, but I don't believe that at all. I do believe, though, that God can use the circumstances we find ourselves in. And he can not just use them, he can use them to advance the gospel. So when we go through difficult times, especially when I go through difficult times, I'm often like, Lord, why? Like, seriously, again? Another sickness bug? Again? And actually, I wonder if the question that Paul is encouraging us to ask is, okay, what God can you do through this suffering? Where can we see the gospel advanced through this suffering? I wonder if we can be like Paul and use the chains that we find ourselves in to make the name of Jesus famous. 
Because when we go through difficult times, we're going to be equipped with better knowledge and wisdom to help those around us, to be able to empathize with the people that we're with. Um, One of my favorite Old Testament characters, Joseph the dreamer in Genesis, said to his brothers who'd sold him into slavery, you meant this for evil against me, but God meant it for this very purpose. It's true that the situations we find ourselves in where bad stuff happens may feel like we're in chains. We may have actually put ourselves in chains. They may be there rightly or wrongly. But whatever it is, wherever you find yourself, God can use it for his purpose. I've said that Paul is a little bit of a superstar when it comes to preaching this whole gospel thing. He definitely gets an A for effort at turning shipments and imprisonment into spreading the word of God. I, however, am guilty of not using every moment I'm presented with to share the gospel. And there are so many excuses I could use. I'm a woman. I can't speak eloquently enough. I'm tired a lot of the time. Um, It could be my children interrupting me. It could be that I'm just a bit too English and don't want to possibly impose anyone with my thoughts. But this passage calls us to live differently. It calls us to try and make our everyday lives lives that make Jesus famous. Verse 14 says this, And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. I look at Paul and I think, oh, how did he do it? And there are so many people around me who I think, oh, how do they do it? But here's the thing. I think people often do things scared. And they do things scared, but they're relying on God for strength. Because when we rely on God, he is strong. He gives us strength to the weak. We were singing that in that last song. When we rely on him, we um, will have the strength to share our faith, whatever the chains may feel like. And there are so many people I could talk about who are amazing at spreading the news of Jesus and making him famous. But one person who really is sticking out to me at the moment is a lady called Christine Kane. I first heard her speak at the um, HTB Leadership Conference um, in 2011, and she was talking about um, we, how we need to raise up the next generation, how we need to keep on raising up Christian leaders, how we need to pass the baton on. And um, her and her husband um, have um, founded the A21 campaign, which is an agency that combats human, human trafficking, and they founded uh, the Zoe churches, which are all across Europe. And they have an incredible ministry. And I heard Christine talk about herself a little bit in an interview in the months after COVID hit in 2020. She was born in Sydney, Australia in um, 1966. And when she was 33 years old, she discovered that she was adopted. It was a secret her parents had kept from her her whole life. Um, She was trying to find out a little bit more about her history. She found a birth certificate that said, Mother, Panagotia. Father, unknown. Name, unknown that just had five numbers that were that, that what they'd put down instead of a name. She went on to say how shocking it was to find out that who she was wasn't who she was. Then between the ages of three and 15, she was sexually abused by people who her family had welcomed into their home and trusted. She wasn't at first brave enough to talk about it, but when she then did, um, people didn't believe her. And, and, and she just went on living with this guilt and this shame and anger and unforgiveness. As a woman, she would, a young woman, she'd say that she made lots of poor life choices and she had negative and quite destructive patterns of thinking and behaving. 
But things all began to change for her when the preacher, J. John, who's an English dude who's very funny, he's great, um, went to go and speak at Sydney University. And a friend said, you've got to come along. And she sort of dragged herself there. And um, he spoke the gospel in a way that just completely related to her. And it completely changed her life. It was a pivotal moment in her relationship with Jesus. And from that moment on, she's used her story to bring people to know him. She went on to say this, it would be just like God to take an unnamed, unwanted, abused, adopted girl and go, I'm going to redeem all of those fragments of your broken past and put them together as a tapestry of my grace. Your past will do one thing, either shame, guilt, regret and condemnation will cause you to shut down or God can take these fragments and give you and someone else a future. I was reading that and I was like, wow, that's amazing, isn't it? She's got a big story. A lot of us won't have a big story like that. But she's had to battle with the same things a lot of us battle with. Self-identity, self-worth, belonging. And yet God took that unnamed, unwanted, abused, adopted girl, and he sees past that. And he's used that suffering to proclaim the gospel. Whatever your mess, God can turn it into your message. So I wonder... What that means for us on Sunday morning, on the 6th of November in 2022. Well, we're all called to live differently. We're called to take whatever story it is that we have and to love those around us. And we're called to make Jesus famous in this city. But not in our own strength. Relying on God to give us the strength to do these things. I want to finish with this. Um, There's a Phil Wickham song that as I was preaching this, um, it's never really stuck out to me on the album before. But as I was preaching this, I just could not shift the um, chorus bridge part from my, my head. It's called His Name is Jesus. And it goes like this. There has never been a love so great. He died so we could live. Then he rose up from that grave. Name another king like this. Now all authority forever belongs to him. He reigns in victory. Name another king like this. And I was really reminded about, well, we, we want to live differently. That's what we're called to do. But we're not doing it in our own strength. We're doing it because God is our king. And he's the one who died but came alive from the grave. And he reigns in victory. And I cannot name another king um, or another person that I would want to follow and live differently for like him. So we're called at St. Matt's to live differently for him and to love like he loves, to share the news of his love, because it matters that people hear this amazing story. Would you stand? We're going to pray together.